Welcome to Calvary Albuquerque. We pursue the God who is passionately pursuing a lost world. We do this with one another. Through worship, by the word, to the world. Hi, Calvary. Well, I'm still teaching in Beirut, Lebanon, so I can't be with you today. But I am delighted to introduce to you our guest speaker, Will Graham. Will is the grandson of Dr. Billy Graham and the oldest son of my dear friend, Franklin Graham. Will has traveled around the world to proclaim the gospel at evangelistic events across six continents. He serves as the vice president of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, overseeing children and youth evangelism training, as well as operations and programming for the Billy Graham Training Center at The Cove. Would you please give a friendly welcome to Will Graham? Today I want to talk to you from the book of 1 Samuel. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. And I want to talk about a subject that I think that we, that we all deal with. Now we don't like to admit it, but uh, you ever have those bad days when things just don't seem to go right? Um, and you feel like, man, God, can't you just... Can't you just give me a break? I mean, seriously. I, just, I mean, I just went to church. I mean, I just heard some hillbilly um, from North Carolina. I mean, it was the hardest thing to understand them. And, I mean, Lord, just can't you give me a break today? I mean, why is all this stuff happening to me? I mean, Lord, don't you understand? I mean, I worship you. I follow you. I tithe. I do everything you want me to do. And, I, and then I get this laid on me. Lord, come on. Seriously, I mean, can't I get something different? I mean, do, do you ever feel like God doesn't just, Lord, how come you don't give me a break? Or, or when you're going through something, you say, Lord, what in the purpose is this that I'm going through? I mean, Lord, I, I believe I'm in your will right now, but what is the purpose of this? I mean, Lord, this is junk. I don't need this. What's the redeeming factor in all this, Lord? You know, maybe recently, maybe right now you're going through a, a personal trial of your own. Maybe health. Maybe it's with a, a spouse. Maybe a child or a parent. Maybe it's work-related, finances. I don't know what you're going through, but right now something, you just feel like, God, just please throw me a bone here. And I want to look at a passage of Scripture here in the Bible about another woman that kind of finds yourself in one of those situations. And it starts in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And it says, There was a certain man of Rathium Zophim of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehom, the son of Elu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. Now let me stop right there. Any expecting mothers, stay away from these names. All right. Please, for your son's sake, don't call him Tohu. He would greatly appreciate that years later. All right, verse 2. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And then also the two sons of Eli, Hothnini and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And so what we see here is that um, 
in this lady's life, we're going to see the problem of circumstance. Now, our circumstances are those things that we find ourselves that we really can't help. We can't, we're born into it or um, we just can't change it. It's just the circumstances where we find ourselves in. And for Hannah, that's where we find ourselves. Now, it starts off telling us about a man named Elkanah who had a family. And it was a very religious family, a very good family. Um, this family would, it said year after year, they would go up and sacrifice to the Lord in Shiloh. Uh, at this point in time in Israel's history, there is no Jerusalem. Jerusalem has not been uh, taken yet. It was still uh, run by a, a local people there in Canaan. It was a part of the Canaanites. But Israel has not taken the city of Jerusalem. So the tabernacle, the same tabernacle that Moses used to worship the Lord with throughout the wilderness years, is set up in a town called Shiloh. And every Jewish man and family was, a, was supposed to go there once a year to sacrifice to the Lord. And so he would do this on a regular basis. He loved the Lord. Elkanah. It was a very religious family, a good family. And uh, for me, that's how I can identify. I, I grew up in a good family, a loving family, a uh, family that loved the Lord. I'm so grateful that my mom and dad took me to church, helped me to memorize the Word of God. And uh, I was blessed growing up in a Christian home. Now, I know some of you here today, maybe you, don't, you didn't get to enjoy a childhood like that. Um, but for me, I, I did, and I was very grateful. But even this good and religious family had problems. Starting off with, Elkanah had two wives. Now, Hannah was his first wife. And the Bible says later on that he loved Hannah. But Hannah couldn't have children. And so he married another lady named Penina, and so that he could have children by her. And she did. She ended up having sons and daughters, uh, Penina and Elkanah. But he loved Hannah, but yet Hannah was barren. And so the first circumstance that we see for Hannah is that she is barren. The one thing that she wants to be in life is to be a mother. She wants a child. The one thing that she just wants to be, Lord, let me be a mom. I want to be a mother. But unknown to her, God had closed her womb. But it was for a reason, we're going to find out. But yet, we see that the problem of circumstance, she was, she was barren. Now, Penina had children, but Hannah couldn't have children. The one thing that she wanted, she couldn't have. And so, um, she was a barren lady. And so, her problem in life of circumstance is what Hannah was barren. She could not have children. Even though she longed for children, wanted children, she could not have them. But we also see the problem not only of her circumstance, but the problem of the environment. Now, let's continue to read here, starting in verse 4 again. And whenever the time came from Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. Why? For he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. Let me stop right there real quick. So the first thing that we see, we see that Hannah was extremely loved by her husband, but God supernaturally had closed Hannah's womb. Now, she does, she's not aware of this. She doesn't know this. We as the readers know it. 
But she didn't know it. She didn't know that God is doing this. But we're going to see that God has a purpose for this. Oftentimes when we go through trials in life, we say, God, what's the purpose of this? Why am I have to, to suffer in, in, with what I'm going through right now? Why do I have to do this? And we don't know the reason why. But I'm here to tell you that God has a bigger picture and a bigger plan. And he has a purpose for it. Though we may not see it or understand it at the time, God does. And so I'm here to tell you that God has a purpose for those trials and those tribulations that you go through. He's got something in store for it. Let's continue. Verse 6. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So the next problem we see is the problem of the environment. This is her family that we're talking about. This is the family that she lives with. It's an abusive relationship. Not with Elkanah, her husband, but with Penina, the second wife, the sister wife. That's what Penina was. And uh, what is, how does the Bible describe Penina? Look at verse 6. Describes her as a friend? No. Describes her as a, a close confidant? No. Uh, d- describes her as another woman? No. How does the Bible describe Penina? Her rival. She was a, basically, in in other words, she was a thorn in the side of Hannah. And what would she do? She would provoke her. She would, in other words, she would encourage her to become discouraged. (laughs) She, she would, she would make fun of her. Hey, Hannah, look, look, you want me to comb your hair's daughter today? Oh, that's right, you don't have children. You know, Hannah, what what did you get your kids for Christmas? They didn't have Christmas at that time, but you get my point. You know, would you get your, oh, that's right, you don't have any kids. I mean, she would just provoke her, make fun of her. Look, I got kids, you don't. You know, God loves me more than you because I have kids and God hasn't given you any kids. And how does she provoke her? Slightly? What does the text say? Look, provoked her severely. In other words, she's part. She's part Graham. <laughs> My dad and I, we love to provoke people. Usually our friends. Mainly those who we call uncles. And we like to, you know, poke at people. And, and we're bad at poking our friends pretty bad. Playing jokes on them all, all the time. But she provoked her severely. And it, and, and it made her miserable, the Bible said. Matter of fact, it made her so miserable. What was the result? She she would cry herself to sleep. She was so miserable, she would cry herself at sleep at night, saying, Lord, I can't take this anymore. She got so miserable that she could not eat or sleep. And she was just miserable. She wept and she would not eat. 
And then I like what her husband says. Look at verse 8. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to Hannah, why, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieve? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Sounds like a typical male, doesn't it? You don't need kids. You got me. <laughs> I'm the dream of your life. I mean, it sounds like a male, doesn't it? A good man. Please don't misunderstand. Elkanah loved Hannah. And he's trying to comfort her and say, Hannah, he wanted his wife to have a child. But God had closed her womb. And he was trying to encourage her and to take her sadness away, but he didn't know how to do it. Didn't know what to do. And so Hannah became miserable to the point that she would not eat. She would cry herself to sleep. And uh, she didn't eat. It was so bad that she just lost her appetite. And uh, and I'm sure that Hannah's saying, Lord, why am I going through all this? I mean, I just want a child. That's all I want. Then on top of this, this other lady, my rival, she makes me mad every day. And it was not a one-time event. It was a year-after-year-after-year event she would provoke her. And Hannah's saying, Lord, what? throw me a bone here. I mean, why do I have to go through all this? And Hannah was discouraged. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. You feel like, man, God, just give me a break. Please, Lord. I'm just tired. I want something different in my life. And Lord, I mean, what good is all this? I mean, tell me, Lord, what's the redeeming fact of not having children and being provoked all the time? Well, we're going to see that God has a purpose in all this. But let's continue to read the story. So Hannah, when we get to verse 8, Hannah can't find anyone to help her. She's barren. She's uh, got a problem at home with Panina. And we just see her husband loves her but just doesn't know how to help. No one can help her, it seems like. So what does Hannah do? Verse 9. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. Now let me stop right there. Eli. Eli's the high priest. He's basically the highest person in charge of Israel. Israel really has no leader, but he's kind of like the head pastor, the head priest of all of Israel. And so he would uh, sit there at the tabernacle in Shiloh and and talk to people and and minister there. Now, Eli, for the most part, when I was growing up, I always heard about Eli and his two bad sons. I thought, you know what? I really just thought that Eli just had, he was a good man, just had two crummy sons. I mean, my, to be honest, for those who do not know, my dad and my uncle, uh, my grandfather and grandmother had five children. My dad's number four. He had three older sisters. He's the oldest son. Then my grandparents had a fifth one. Those younger two, my dad and Uncle Ned, were rebellious. And so, uh, and I just thought it was maybe kind of like my granddaddy. Eli was a good man, like my granddaddy, but just had two crummy sons. (laughs) And, um, but I realized that that's not true. Eli is a pretty bad and evil, wicked man himself. Thus, the reason his two kids were pretty wicked. So they're not a good comparison there. But Eli's just, if he was a baseball player... His batting average is zero. All right? He's not a good man. And he misses it so many times. He, his, his two sons are the most two most wicked people in almost in Israel's history. 
They were so bad, these two priests, Hophni and Phinehas, his two sons, they were so bad and wicked that when people came to worship the Lord, they had disdain for worshiping the Lord. In other words, they hated to come there. They loved God, but they hated encountering these two men. And so people hated to come to worship the Lord because they had to put up with Eli's two wicked sons. That's how bad it was. So she goes up there and uh, Eli's sitting there watching. And um, it says there in verse 10, and she was in, Hannah was in bitterness of soul. And she prayed to the Lord and she would, she wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, now listen to this. O Lord of hosts, if you indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but would give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him back to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk and how put your wine away from you? But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. And I drunk neither intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Please do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. So remember, let's go, let's review real quick. Hannah's circumstance in life is what? She's barren. The second problem is a person named Penina. Penina is being abusive, verbally abusive to Hannah, making fun of her, provoking her, making her life miserable. And Elkanah loves her, loves Hannah, but can't really help. So Hannah doesn't know what to do. So she said, no one can help me. The only one that can help me must be God. And so I'm going to go to the house of the Lord. So she gets up while everybody else is sleeping. She goes and goes to church. And maybe there's some of you here today that, you know what? Things are falling apart in your life and you don't know what to do. And you're like, I, maybe I just need to go to church today. Maybe that's why you're here right now. Maybe that's why you're listening right now is because things aren't going right in your life and you, you realize that the only one that can probably help you is God. Maybe God's got a word for you. And so you come in to the house of the Lord. You come here to, to listen to the message, trying to see if God's going to do something in your life. Maybe that's where you find yourself, very much like Hannah. And so Hannah goes and, and she starts to, to pray before the Lord. Now, she's praying a little bit differently than normal. Most people around the world pray out loud. And uh, you and I, we've, um, we used to, we pray in our hearts a lot. We pray quietly. We pray silently. Uh, but in most cultures, they pray out loud. And for Hannah, in the Middle East, they would pray out loud. But this time, she did not pray out loud. Uh, it said, what, in verse 13, Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. In other words, she was praying silently. Very unusual. 
She was praying silently before the Lord. Now, who's watching? Eli. Remember Eli's batting average? Yeah, zero. So he comes up and he wants to encourage her. So he comes up, puts his arm around her and says, You drunken old hag. And that's what he calls her. Verse 14, how long were you going to be drunk? Put away your wine from you. Matter of fact, in verse 16, we see how Hannah responds. He had called her a wicked woman. Now, that term there for wicked woman literally means a daughter of Belial. Now, you're like, huh? Belial is another name for Satan. It means the worthless one. Uh, Jesus is the worthy one. Satan is the worthless one. That's really what it means there. So he basically came up and said, you drunken old hag, you daughter of Satan. Now, how would you like to come to church and get that greeting? Now, far be it from this church, I know. But I bet there's some of you here before that you've gone to another church before and you're mad at the pastor, you're mad at someone else in the church, you got hurt at church, you're angry. Now think about this. When Hannah showed up, Hannah's pouring out her heart before God. She's laying everything out before God. And that's what she says. So verse 15, at the end of verse 15, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. And then someone comes up. You're, you're coming to God for answers. You're pouring out your heart before the Lord. And then someone at church comes up and kicks you while you're down. My friends, unfortunately, that's so true of so many churches in our world. So many people come to church looking for help, looking for answers. And guess what happens? We as Christians kick them down. Instead of coming in alongside of them and praying with them, we kick them down. Pastors make fun of them. And man, they've come here as a last resort. And we should be encouraged when they come. But because they dress different, smell different, look different, Come from a different part of town. We kick them. We may not say bad things like this, but we kind of think it. And maybe some of you have been like that before. Maybe, I mean, you've hurt other people. Or maybe you've been hurt by those people. But my friends, it doesn't have to end there. Let's continue to read the story. I left out the best part on purpose. Look at verse 18. All right, hang on. Before we read, don't, 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 don't read. Let's review real quick. What's Hannah's biggest problem right now? First problem, barren. Thank you. Her second problem, the second wife. That's exactly right. Penina. Her husband can't help. She goes to church and she's called a what? A drunken old hag. American prayer phrase right there. All right. So let's see how she's going to respond. Because you know how you would respond? Most of us, we would go on like, Lord, I gave you a chance. And this is what I get. Forget it. I'm out of here. Lord, I gave you a chance. I poured out my heart. I poured out my soul. And this is what I get. Forget it. I don't need church. I'm out of here. That's what probably most of you and I, had. we would have responded. Let's see how Hannah responds. And she said, Hannah, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way 
and ate. And she was no longer sad. Was she barren? Was she still barren? Yes. Uh, did she still have to go back and face Penina? Yes. Is her husband still not going to be able to help her? Third. She just got called a drunken old hag. And she leaves happy. Did we miss something? What happened? I mean, she was just called a daughter of Satan. She was drunk. She's barren. She's still got to go to Penina and her husband, even though she loves her husband, her husband's, you know, can't help her. But so the woman went her way. She ate and her face was no longer sound. Her physical countenance had changed. She wasn't crying. She wasn't weeping. She wasn't sad. She was now joyful. And it was physically showing on her face. I mean, you've, been, you've, been, you've seen people. You can tell when they're happy or, or excited, scared. You could tell on her face. She was happy. But she just got chewed out at church by the preacher. See, my friends, she poured out her heart before God. And God changes Everything. God changes everything. She poured out her heart before God. All those, all those things that she was struggling with, saying, Lord, all these things, all this junk I'm dealing with, Lord, I give it to you. Lord, you know my heart. You know I want a son. And Lord, if you give me a son, listen to this. Lord, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. But Lord, the one thing I want, I'll give it back. He'll serve you all the days of his life in your house. All right, let's review real quick. Who was running that house? God's house at the time. Eli. Eli did not get father of the award, father of the year award. Matter of fact, his two sons were the worst sons in the world. What mother wouldn't want to give up her son to go live in that crummy family? And she promised to do that. Lord, if you just take this reproach from me, Lord, if you just give me a child, and Lord, I'll give him back to you. I don't want, Lord, I don't know what to do with Panina. Lord, it's, it's driving me insane. I don't eat. I don't. I'm mad. I'm upset. She realized, my friends, that God was bigger than any of her circumstance in life. She realized that God was bigger than her barrenness. She realized that God was bigger than any family problem that she had at home, even Panina. She realized, even though she was called a drunk and a daughter of Satan by the preacher, that God was still bigger than any preacher. God was bigger than any church. And she was willing to put her faith and trust into him, into God. And give him all the troubles that she had and say, Lord, I don't know what to do with these things. Lord, it's making me bitter in life. And maybe some of you here today that maybe you've become bitter in life. And you're not experiencing the joy of the Lord in your heart. It's because of circumstances, the environment, the, the things that you see in your life uh, that are robbing you. 
And God wants to take all those things away. God wants to take that junk in your life and to do something spectacular with it. My friends, when Hannah goes back, sometime later, she'll end up conceiving a child and giving birth to a boy. His name was Samuel. And just like she promised God, after she weaned him, she took him and put him in the house of Eli. The man who bat zero with the two worst sons of the year. Hopnini and Phineas. And lets them grow up in that household. And Samuel will become the greatest prophet since the time of Moses. When I get to heaven, I'm looking for Samuel first. I've been studying this book for quite a while now. And I'll just... There are some cool things about Samuel. I mean, look at the, listen to this. The Bible says that God didn't allow any of Samuel's words to fall to the ground. As a preacher, I pray that prayer. Lord, allow none of my words to fall to the ground. Everything that Samuel said came true. Powerful man. He would be that last judge of Israel. And he would anoint the first two kings over Israel. Saul and then later David. And Christ, Jesus, would be born to the line of David as the king of kings and the lord of lords. Samuel was the one who gave leadership in all this. All those burns that Hannah had to go through was for a purpose. There was a reason in all this. So that she could give birth to Samuel in due time. To lead the nation of Israel, God's people, for a special, unique time in their history. That's what the purpose was in all this. God had a plan from the very beginning about Samuel. Hannah didn't know it. Elkanah didn't know it. But she gave up those problems and said, Lord, I'm going to trust you with them. My friends, that's what I want to ask you to do right now. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. And before we, before we close, I'm just going to ask you, what are those things that are making you bitter in life? What are those things that you're struggling with? Whether it's finances, job, spouse, a loved one. Maybe there's a sin in your life that's keeping you from experiencing the joy of the Lord. Maybe lying, stealing, pornography, adultery. But God right now is revealing something in your life. And my friends, I want you to respond to him in prayer. This is a time that you can pour out your heart before God and lay it at his feet. And say, Lord, I'm I'm sick and tired of all this stuff. Lord, I'm going to trust in you now to carry this. Would you do that? My friends, that's what we're going to do right now. Would you join me in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, uh, Lord, we thank you for your word and Lord, we thank you for the life and the story of Hannah. Lord, how she had faith in you. Lord, when everything else was going wrong in her life, Lord, when she was having problems that she didn't know what to deal with, Lord, she realized that you were bigger than her circumstance. Lord, you are greater than any of her other problems that she was facing. Lord, even the disappointment she felt at church. Lord, she still had trust in you. And Lord, the Bible says she went and prayed, she wept, and she poured out her heart to you. 
And Lord, that's what we do by praying right now. Lord, we are pouring out our heart to you. Lord, there are things on our heart. Lord, you know the things on our heart. And we pour it out to you, Lord, and say, Lord, we're sick and tired of this. Lord, we don't know what to do. We don't know which way to go. We don't, Lord, we don't know how to answer. Lord, I'm not sure if we can deal with all this right now. Lord, would you take control of these things in our life? For some of you, maybe you've never given the control of your life over to Jesus right now. I want to encourage you to do so. Ask Christ to come into your life and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I want to trust and to follow you as my Lord and Savior from now on. I want you to be the ruler of my life. I give you my problems. I give you my past. I give you my future, Lord. I want you to be my all in all, Lord. My friends, pour out your heart to the Lord. He's waiting on you. That's why he's here. He wants to take those burdens. He wants to carry those burdens now. Lord, we give you this junk in our life. Lord, use it for your purpose and for your glory. And Lord, help us to experience the joy of the Lord today. And in Jesus' name, amen. What binds us together is devotion to worshiping our Heavenly Father, dedication to studying His Word, and determination to proclaim our eternal hope in Jesus Christ. For more teachings from Calvary Albuquerque and Skip Heitzig, visit calvaryabq.org.